Hello, and welcome to HIPod, Essential Listening for the Healthcare Business. My name is Ploy Radford, and I'm the editor of Health Investor UK. This episode features a presentation from the Health Investor Summit 2017 by Jenny Usby, Director at WA Communications, on the political opportunities and threats for UK healthcare in the next 12 months. Hello, welcome. Um, my name is Jenny Usby. I'm Head of Health at WA Communications. Um, I, I'm here to give you a very whistle-stop tour of the political opportunities and threats. You've kind of answered um, the question about the opportunities, so that'll obviously shorten my presentation a little bit. Um, there's a lot going on in politics at the moment, clearly. Um, sadly, I won't be talking about some of the more juicier elements of what's going on at Westminster today, but I'm sure you can grab me afterwards and ask me for the lowdown on what's going on. So, okay, a bit about me, um, the boring bit, I'll take about 30 seconds. Um, I used to be an advisor to the care services minister during the glory days of the coalition government. Um, I've previously been a journalist and I've worked at WA Health for about 18 months and I've been a consultant in healthcare communications for a number of years now. Um, WA, we're about 30-something consultants. Um, we're an integrated communications agency. Um, a lot of you might know my colleagues Mark and Lizzie who run our investor services practice um, where they specialise quite a bit in healthcare, social care, um, as well as education. Um, in the health team, um, we are a team of around about 10, depending on the client. Um, I have many specialists in my team. We do everything from market access work to campaigns to PR to public affairs um, and from a range of backgrounds. So everything from journalism, politics, charity sector to policy. Okay, so threats and opportunities. Hopefully, uh, this slide currently sums up my thinking at the moment. Um, you have Brexit, you have winter coming up, and you have the money. And that's basically what Jeremy Hunt is thinking about at the moment. Um, not necessarily in that order, and I'll explain why in a sec. So, obviously, the money, I'm sure that's been a theme of your conversations and your panel sessions throughout the day today. Um, it is an ongoing um, battle between um, NHS England, um, the Department of Health, the various regulatory bodies, um, the third sector, and obviously, of course, yourselves working within the healthcare sector. Um, there's not going to be much new money on the table uh, coming down the line anytime soon. You've obviously got the budget coming up. Um, I know that it's been clear if you watch any of the political broadcasts in the last couple of weeks that Jeremy Hunt has been having a bit of an on-air negotiation with Philip Hammond about getting some uh, additional money in the pot. Um, I'm not sure how successful he's going to be, and we'll come on to that in a sec. In terms of winter, obviously winter is always a concern for a politician. Um, I think they'd quite like it if they could kind of go off to the Bahamas over Christmas and try and forget about it. Um, this winter is looking like it's going to be um, worse than the one before. Um, I'm sure all commentators say that. Um, I think it was interesting that you saw Newsnight, I think it was about a week ago, um, Dame Julie Moore um, from Birmingham was letting in the camera crews from Newsnight into her hospital and was talking a little bit about her concerns coming up to winter. And I think you'll see more of that in terms of um, 
kind of big cheese NHS trust executives breaking ranks um, and not just your usual suspects um, trying to explain via the media um, to the politicians that yes we keep on saying it's bad but really honestly it really really is really bad um, and we do need money. I think on Brexit, um, clearly um, that's a whole other presentation and it's certainly not a 15, 20 minute one. Um, from Jeremy Hunt's perspective um, and from a healthcare perspective, clearly there are concerns in the sector about issues such as um, highly skilled workforce, um, about immigration, um, about medicines and access and uptake. Um, and you have obviously organizations formed that involve people like the ABPI and the NHS Confederation uh, in the Brexit Health Alliance, for example. Um, and I know that a lot of my clients are clearly concerned about Brexit and the impact on their kind of commercial priorities. And that's something that you know, the Department of Health and NHS England are very cognizant of and I think have very um, kind of open minds towards. Um, particularly Jeremy Hunt has made pains in recent speeches at various conferences to assure particularly the NHS that he's going to um, be a positive voice for them in the negotiations in terms of making sure that they get the workforce that they need. Okay, so today I could have chosen a million topics. I've decided to um, narrow it down to these four because I think these are the four main areas of opportunities and threats that are coming down the line in the next 12 months. They are social care, is it being kicked into the long grass, politically speaking, um, workforce. Um, so Jeremy Hunt recently made a commitment for 5,000 additional nursing places. And then there's been various Twitter spats about how many additional doctors and nurses he's seen um, put in place in his time. And uh, I'm sure, again, um, we could disagree or agree on that. Mental health, um, you know, Theresa May's first speech as prime minister was about mental health. I think a lot of people thought that she wanted to make social care her legacy. Um, and again, we'll go on to why that probably won't be the case any longer. Um, but mental health is something that she does feel passionately about. You've seen um, Jeremy Hunt out on the airways on the Andrew Marr show, for example, last weekend, talking about some mental health announcements. Um, so that's another area where mental health has obviously risen in prominence. The industrial strategy. Um, so yesterday you saw the publication of the Industrial Strategies Commission's, their final report. Um, it was an inquiry chaired by uh, the economist, Dame uh, Kate Barker. Um, and I think that there are some opportunities there for the sector to engage quite positively, despite the kind of ongoing rumblings and backdrop of Brexit. Okay, so Chris Ham has kind of put this better than I could about social care. Um, the reckoning will come at the ballot box, and the reckoning certainly came at the ballot box last general election. Um, there are still some backbench MPs who, and no longer MPs, who are extremely bitter about the inclusion of the social care policy in the Conservatives' manifesto. Um, I, had, uh, I was actually interviewing a, one former MP for a job, um, which I didn't give to him, but that was for another reason, um, telling me about how he solely put down him losing his seat to the social care policy and the reaction that he got on the doorstep. Um, you know, you had the talk in the Queen's speech about um, public, public, 
publishing a green paper, um, very much the talk um, that I was hearing in Portcullis House last week would it, was that it is less a green paper and more of a consultation. And as soon as politicians start calling a green paper a consultation and start saying something's going to be published in the near future, it's not probably going to happen. And I speak from experience of being the advisor to one of the ministers um, dealing with the Dilnock Commission. Um, so I'm certainly probably quite cynical when it comes to what's going to happen with social care. Um, I think in terms of opportunities, um, clearly uh, it is because nothing is happening in a way that means that the sector remains stable from a political and a policy perspective. And that means that you can kind of get on with the job. Clearly there are the workforce challenges, um, which um, we can touch upon in a bit. So workforce, um, you know, Jeremy Hunt um, emerged victorious yet bruised after the junior doctor's uh, contract negotiations. Um, the consultant's contract negotiations are coming up in the coming months, um, and I'm sure he's relishing the prospect of having to deal with all that again. I thought it was interesting we had in uh, recently Graham Brady, the chair of the 1922 Tory backbench committee, at WA and uh, he was saying that Jeremy Hunt actually appeared before the committee two weeks ago for a private session and that all of the backbenchers were extremely impressed with you know how well he was over his brief I mean he should be he's been there about five years it'd be concerning if he wasn't um, but certainly he was being quite bullish about how he was going to handle negotiations like that and I think that comes from a certain amount of experience being at the department for such a long time um, and it was a, a, as a, a throwaway comment, it was interesting that Graham Brady also said that while Jeremy might want to be reshuffled and promoted, that's not likely to happen. Um, so don't hold your breath in terms of Jeremy um, moving on to a, a cabinet, another cabinet role anytime soon. He's certainly not going to get defence secretary now. So I think, oh, sorry, I thought about that. Um, the only other piece of legislation that will probably come out in the next 12 months uh, will be on workforce about um, standardising professional regulations. Um, as Jeremy Hunt put it himself on Twitter, I think this week it was boring but important. Um, so I don't think it's got going to set the world on fire in terms of the media and wider policy sector. Um, I just wanted to touch on here, I know it doesn't fit into workforce, I cheekily put it in this section, but it actually has nothing to do with it. Um, I think the Again, the life sciences sector deal, and if any of you are involved in the pharma sector, um, clearly that's something where um, you know, pharma companies are particularly keen that the government kind of follows through the rhetoric with reality in terms of promising um, a certain amount of investment into the sector. You know, Theresa May used to call, um, and still does, the life sciences sector the jewel in the crown. Um, and I think that the pharma industry are kind of waiting with bated breath to see if things like the sector deal, um, the anticipated accelerated access review response, which my latest information is that it's due tomorrow morning. So if any of you are interested in that, um, please do keep an eye out. Um, because I think there are particular concerns about the access and uptake environment, particularly prospect Brexit ahead of the PPRS negotiations and people are quite concerned about what the government will say. So mental health, um, there's been a drip feed of mental health announcements over the past couple of months and that's anticipated to continue over the next 12 months. Um, you know, 
There was an announced review of the Mental Health Act. Um, a chair of that review has been appointed, Sir Simon Wesley, um, but nothing much has happened yet. Um, you know, everyone is waiting for the government's green paper on children and young people's mental health. Um, that's been delayed again and again. Um, the most recent delay was down to the civil servant who was in charge of that, um, moving on to a different department and being uh, replaced by somebody else. Um, I think that, again, I said it's interesting that trees, both Theresa May and Jeremy Hunt are using the press at the moment to kind of ramp up the ante on the mental health policy narrative. I think that's a real opportunity, um, particularly if you're interested in mental health assets, that that is a priority for the government um, and something that clearly um, number 10 sees that they can kind of nail their flag to. So the industrial strategy, and I, I've picked out a quote here from the final report that was published yesterday um, from the, uh, the commission into the industrial strategy. So health and social care should be integral to the new industrial strategy, um, et cetera, et cetera, should aim to use the state's purchasing power to promote innovation and ultimately achieve better health, health outcomes in a financially sustainable way. Um, I was at the Conservative Party conference um, last month, and I don't think I heard anyone mention the industrial strategy once in the fringe events that I certainly attended. Um, I think that it is an important um, topic for many MPs, but I think in terms of the um, upper echelons and number 10 buy-in, I'm still yet to be convinced that there is actually the momentum and the push that there needs to be to make genuine change. I think it's interesting that the civil servant in charge of the industrial strategy, um, Alexandra Jones, has a background um, at Centre for Cities, so is very interested in kind of place-based policy um, and devolved policies. Um, and I think that, therefore, you may see the resurrection a bit, which kind of Theresa May rejected um, when she first became Prime Minister um, of the Northern Powerhouse agenda. So again, I think there is an opportunity there if you have a particularly regional or devolved focus um, or you can kind of tie in some of your strategy with the strategies that are embedded within the industrial strategy um, green paper. So I go back again to what I said at the start, which is what's on Jeremy Hunt's mind at the moment. Um, winter, money, Brexit. Um, I think in terms of where that leaves you, I think that winter, clearly, that's about, you know, thinking about how or if there are solutions that can be proposed to help to make the NHS more efficient, more productive, um, and help try and reduce the acuity and care and treatment needed in the run-up and the aftermath to winter. Um, clearly, the money, you know, you said it in the question that you were just asked. You know, you think there are new opportunities, but you think there'll be more of a squeeze. Yes, you're right. There will be more of a, a squeeze. You know, you have number 10 and the Prime Minister um, absolutely preoccupied, yes, with the sex scandal, but also with Brexit. I'm sure they'd rather be, be preoccupied by Brexit at the moment. Um, and therefore, there's not going to be great big announcements of tons of money. And actually, it's about doing more with less. And Brexit, um, you know, we have um, 800 to 1,000 statutory instruments that need to be debated in the floor of the House over the next couple of years. And there's been talk about trying to reinstate the late night sittings that um, we used to see a couple of years ago. Um, and so actually, it sounds 
quite banal, but actually a lot of backbench MPs are quite um, kind of animated by the prospect of having to do late night sittings, and that's probably actually occupying their minds a bit more than the statutory instruments that they might have to copy and paste into our own laws. Um, that's it for me. I know it was really quick. Um, I've tried to kind of pick out some key bits. Um, if you have any questions, whether it's on healthcare politics, policy, or just general politics, then please feel free to put up your hand and I'll do my best to answer them. Thank you. Any, any questions for Jenny? I've got a question. Um, yeah. You talked about mental health and yes. how that's a popular area at the moment with politicians. I mean, I think there are quite a few subsectors who are perhaps jealous of the way mental health perhaps gets a lot of the attention and the funding. Um, what, what do those providers need to do to lobby government more effectively? So generally, I think um, one of the kind of strands of work that we've done for quite a few clients who don't work in the mental health sector is to actually come up with campaigns influencing strategies that tie what they're doing to mental health. So for example, if you are working in a particular disease area or if you are working in older people's care, for example, you know, there's reams and reams of evidence about you know, how um, older people's depression, for example, has a cost to the economy. And I think there's a lot to be said about um, influencing and strategizing around the economic impact of mental health and how you tie that to particular conditions or particular demographics. And that's actually the route by which you can open the doors to the politicians and policy makers to make your other messages heard. I think there was a question at the back. Yeah. Uh, yes, Ian Wooten, uh, MUFG. Could you go back to the slide you had with um, the piece about the industrial strategy? Yeah. Um, the, question I, the question I have is, um, is sort of in two parts. The first part being, is, is it not just the important line, this should aim to use the state's purchasing power, given what else you said, and the rest of it is reasonably redundant um, in terms of just forcing down price? And the other question I have is, um, with the um, hopeful publication of the 58 documents on uh, the impact of Brexit, do you think for the pharmaceutical sector um, and healthcare generally, it will be consistent with that industrial strategy or otherwise? Uh, yeah, I agree. I think the bit about the state's purchasing power might be met with quite a few raised eyebrows, I think, in um, particularly in the pharmaceutical industry, because I think that obviously you have the ongoing debate as to how much um, innovation is being picked up in the NHS and how much innovation is being generated in the private sector and how that's being translated. Um, so I think that similarly with healthcare as with the pharmaceutical industry, I think often there is a feeling that the sector feels like they're showing quite a lot of leg and um, the state and the government aren't kind of <laughs> reciprocating it. Um, I think in terms of the, um, sorry, you had the question about the, the life sciences sector and about Brexit, and I missed the last bit. Yeah, of the, the, the question has to be is given the press currently about the 58 documents being published regarding 88% of um, UK economy, is, is the bit that will be relevant to the pharmaceutical and healthcare industry, will it be consistent with that um, in terms of the industrial strategy? Will it point to uh, increased wealth, um, more drugs, etc., or will it point the other way? Yes, it will be consistent, um, is my understanding. I think that 
Um, one of the challenges you have at the moment is you have a rhetoric from people like Simon Stevens, who are talking a lot about things like how £300 million can be saved by switching to biosimilars and very much seeing um, medicines um, as a, a short-term cost to be saved rather than a long-term benefit, benefit to be invested in people's treatment. I don't think you'll see a, a change to that rhetoric. I think where the opportunities are for our engagement for the life sciences sector is how do we explain the benefit of our medicines in terms of long-term outcomes and tying that to the data that's attached to measuring things like the impact and the industrial strategy, which is yet to be decided. And I think that's where it's important that the private sector and healthcare actually <coughs> tries to get involved in how exactly is this strategy going to be implemented and therefore measured, because it's been a bit wishy-washy in terms of how that's going to happen. I think that's, that's all we've got time for. Thank you very much, Jenny. Thank you. Thank you for listening to HIPod. If you found this episode interesting and want to hear more insights on the business of healthcare, you can subscribe via healthinvestor.co.uk.